Hey guys, and welcome to episode 14 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 14 of the Revive Yourself podcast. We're actually picking up some pace now. It's been well, it's really interesting, got some really good feedback on the show so far, and I know that today's show is going to be another uh, one that really does open people's eyes. Um, today's guest is Dr. Stephanie Seneff, and she's all the way from Boston. She has four degrees from the University of um, what is the MIT Um and uh, she, three of those degrees are actually in uh, computer science, but one is in biological science. And she has been an elite world leading authority and expert on all things glyphosate, uh, statins and aluminium. And today's show is going to be all about glyphosate. And um, we do touch a little bit on aluminium and how it how it actually works in conjunction with glyphosate. But for anyone out there suffering any sort of chronic issue, especially a gut issue, brain issue, um, we tap, we, we, we tap into autism, talk talk about uh, detoxification pathways. I mean, it's, this is a problem that Stephanie thinks is affecting people in so many different ways, health-wise. It's just a health disaster. So without further ado, here she is. As always, leave comments, reviews afterwards. Uh, send me an email um, and let me know what you think. But here she is. I really hope you enjoy. And uh, see you after the show. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Revive Yourself Podcast. Today's guest is Stephanie Seneff and welcome to the show, Stephanie. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. No worries. How is uh, Boston today? Oh, we're staying cold. We, uh, spring is here, but we wouldn't know it. <laughs> Still got snow on the ground, but we're, we're hoping spring will come soon. Yes, yeah, snow. Snow on the ground. Oh, all right. <laughs> so we're actually warmer over here than you are at the moment. We've actually got a bit of sun, so it's quite nice. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> so today, just want to be. So we're going to be talking a lot about glyphosate and aluminium, <laughs> and all things to do with that. And so, just wanted to welcome Stephanie to the show first of all, and also talk about because Stephanie's been talking about these topics for quite a while, um, and she's been on the scene of, of uh, well, lots of different shows, been talking about it all over the internet, and there seems to be quite a lot of people out there who say when it comes to glyphosate and it comes to food um that she's not qualified to talk about this that she's a computer scientist and she's not a doctor and some have actually referred to her as a quack so just where to start off stephanie what would you say to those people well i'm actually honored to see that the mainstream is fighting back because they only pay attention to people that they know matter and i feel my message is getting out um I, I feel very well qualified. I've, I have an undergraduate degree from MIT in biology and actually spent a year in graduate school in biology before switching over to computer science. So I have, you know, four degrees from MIT, uh, three of which are in computer science and electrical engineering, including a PhD. So I feel very well qualified. I actually think computer science is a really good background to allow you to um, study the research literature and to actually use your computer science skills to analyze the research literature and the databases that you can find on the web to find correlations. And that's one thing that's been important that I've done, along with Nancy Swanson, who was really a played a leadership role in that process of discovering all these diseases that are going up dramatically in the United States and also in the UK, by the way. And uh, we feel we've been looking for other things that are going up along with it because correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation, but certainly you don't expect causation without correlation. It's the first place you go. And in terms of the uh, herbicides, insecticides, and fungicides used on the crops, glyphosate stands out as the only one that matches so perfectly with all of those things. So you have to start to think maybe it's causal. That's what we did. And now I've dug into the research literature, learned a huge amount about biology. I've read thousands of papers from the, um, from the researchers and also from clinicians. And so I feel very well qualified to speak about these things. 
Yeah, and uh, having been someone who's looked extensively at your research and your knowledge interviews, I can say that, uh, from my in my opinion, someone who's been around the natural health world for well, ten years now, looked to <laughs> study every single day. Uh, Stephanie is someone who's who is definitely qualified to talk about this topic. Um, I just want to quickly touch on a quick qu- something that you said as well, because we're going to go into actually, we're going to talk about how how actually we're going to go into that later on. I'll, I'll leave that stat for later on. So. In in um, the US, glyphosate's been used quite quite a lot. Uh, there's a, actually my first. I think I've sort of got wind of it about five years ago, mm, maybe a little bit less. I remember the, thir- the first in-depth article I read. I think it was about two three years ago, and it said the reason wheat's toxic, uh, um, bread's toxic. Uh, clue it's not the wheat and it went on to talk about glyphosate i think it's an article has actually been updated since um so just just for and and just for people out there thinking it's just america that's that's affected by this it's not uh, there's been studies out, out there even one in the guardian newspaper of all things that said 60 percent of bread sold in the uk contain pesticides and residues and the most common residue of that was actually glyphosate. So the guys of you in England and the UK, it's it's a it's a big deal. Um, so Stephanie, just quickly, what is glyphosate? Why is it used, and who uses it? Okay, yeah, it's an herbicide, and it's actually an extremely popular herbicide. And as I said, it's becoming more and more popular every day. It's gone. Its usage has gone up dramatically over the past two decades. In large part, that's because of the introduction of the GMO Roundup-ready crops, and that includes wheat, corn, not wheat, <laughs> sorry, corn, soy, canola, sugar beets, alfalfa, tobacco, and cotton. Those are all have all been engineered to resist glyphosate. Otherwise, it kills all plants. So something something that kills all plants. It would be surprising to think that it's not toxic to mammals at all. But that's really what the Monsanto has claimed, and the Regulators have bought that claim. So they studied it way back when. It was approved in 1974. That's when it first appeared on the market. So it's been around for a long time. But it really picked up steam starting around the late 1990s when they introduced these GMO engineered crops, which had a bacterial gene inserted into them that gave them resistance. And that allowed them to just indiscriminately spray the, the, the poison all over the crop. And the crop didn't die, and that's why it gets into the food. In fact, a study has shown high, very high levels of glyphosate in GMO soy and none in the non-GMO soy, even the one that was not organic. But, but they used glyphosate to control weeds, but they had to do it very carefully because they didn't want to kill the crop. So that's the difference is when you have a GMO crop, you can just spray it. The wheat is different. Wheat is not GMO. But they spray it increasingly. This is becoming more and more popular to spray the wheat with glyphosate just a few days before harvest. And this is what is so disturbing because they spray the crop in order to kill it. And it does kill the crop. It makes it go to seed and they can synchronize the harvest and get a little bit more yield. It also gets a head start on next year's weeds. You know, they feel like there's a lot of good reasons to do it and no downside. And the downside, of course, is that the glyphosate gets into the wheat. And people have been finding high levels of glyphosate in wheat-based products including things that are very common with children. Oats is another one, by the way, that's sprayed right before the harvest. They have a non-GMO advertisement on the box of Cheerios, but Cheerios has very high levels of glyphosate in it, and that's a very popular uh, food for children. Also, Oreo cookies and um, goldfish crackers. I mean, these are things that children eat a lot of that are loaded with glyphosate because of the wheat. It's really scary, and I, I agree with you that the gluten intolerance I think the main story is the glyphosate. We've been seeing gluten intolerance go up exactly in step with the increase in the use of glyphosate on wheat. And we have a paper that talks about that. Anthony Sampson and I have a whole paper on this connection between celiac disease and glyphosate. We feel that it's a it's a direct hit. And we can explain why glyphosate would cause celiac disease in terms of how it would affect the um, the enzymes that break down the wheat in the, in the gut. Oh, I can 100% I think it's, it's most of these things I think it's a combination of all these factors that just make it a complete home run when it comes to dealing with like, things like autoimmune conditions and then neurological disorders I mean one of them is bad enough but when you put them all together I think it just exacerbates everything so I mean you touched on it there a little bit you said about how they've come out and said there's, that these, these things are actually safe for human consumption there's actually two things I want to say about that one was a video I come across on Instagram which made me really laugh, which was a lobbyist for Monsanto saying that glyphosate was, was fine and safe. And he said, I'll even drink some. And the guy went, well, mm-hmm. here you go. We've got a pint of it. Drink it. 
And he's like, no, don't be sad. I'm not stupid. He said, well, you know, you said it was safe. He said, oh, no, I'm not stupid. I haven't got a dead <laughs> And he was saying, and he got and left the interview because he, he knew he was wrong. And it's actually laughable. I think you can, people can find that on GMO Gus. Or, it was a really funny interview. Um, and the other, I've seen that. Seen it that. is oh, funny. When yes. I, when I saw that, I was just thinking, brilliant. I'd be like, no, mate, have it. Drink a pint of it. Go on. <laughs> You think of it, you think it's brilliant, and I'll watch you rot in front of me. But um, <laughs> the other part was, even from over here, we've got DEFRA, the Department of Environmental Food and Rural Affairs, and they come out and said, quote, there is no human health risk from pesticide residues in bread. Levels of pesticide residues in food are minimal, and we have strict testing methods, methods in place to test this, unquote. Now, we, well, from what you're saying, from the studies that you've, you've shown, um, the US government sources indicate a remarkably strong correlation between glyphosate and neurological disorders and you've even come out and said you believe by 2025 50% of American children will have autism can you just talk about I've actually changed that to, excuse me 2032 I and mean, when I did the math carefully 2032 so seven more years okay. of reprieve before we get to that point not a not a great difference no. but okay can you just talk a little bit about that why, why is that correlation Oh, it's just amazing. I mean, I've written several papers now linking glyphosate to autism. I'm absolutely convinced. I'm so confident that I'm right, that the autism epidemic worldwide is due to glyphosate. Glyphosate is the key factor in the epidemic. It's not the only thing that causes autism, but it's what's causing the epidemic. And um, I've analyzed it very carefully and looked at autism every which way. I mean, autism is a really complex disorder with lots of comorbidities. A lot of the kids have problems, gut problems. And gut problems is another thing that is an epidemic in our country, and that's due to the glyphosate disrupting the gut microbes. It's very clear to me. Glyphosate has been patented as an antimicrobial agent, and it uh, preferentially kills the beneficial bacteria in the gut, uh, such as bifidobacteria and lactobacillus. And when those get killed, then the pathogens get a chance to overgrow, and then you get inflammatory gut, and you get leaky gut, and you get from that follows leaky brain, and then you get nasty things coming into the brain and causing damage there. I think that's the basic story with autism. Um, there's also issues with the minerals. Glyphosate is a mineral chelator, so it binds very tightly to uh, particularly what's called plus two cations, and that includes manganese, zinc, uh, iron, selenium, um, copper, um, cobalt, all these uh, minerals that we we need, they're, they're very interesting. Minerals are very interesting because we need them to catalyze many enzyme actions, but they can be toxic in, in too much, if there's too much. And, and our body has come up with really sophisticated ways to transport them, but glyphosate disrupts those as well. So glyphosate ends up making these minerals simultaneously toxic and deficient. This is true for certainly for iron and manganese simultaneously toxic and deficient. And that's what you're seeing in autism. And I think that's also connected to Alzheimer's disease, which I think is related to autism. It's kind of an autism of the elderly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and both are strikingly well correlated with the rise. You know, it's, it's 0 0.99, a p-value of several zeros before the first significant, which means it's incredibly and unlikely that this correlation could have occurred by chance. Both Alzheimer's or dementia and autism have this very strong correlation with the rise in the use of glyphosate on on core crops. No, I can I can, I can imagine. And I mean, Donna Gates. I don't know if you're familiar with Donna Gates. She talks about autism being a brain and gut uh, infection. And mm -hmm. this is a sort. It sort of goes hand in hand with what you're saying. Um, they, I think, in a uh, they say if you talk talk to Monsanto, they tell you in in um, vivo studies. Roundup is non-toxic to animals, um, so it's okay for us. But it's, uh -huh. you've written about this. There's two large problems with this. Um, yes. Go on with these factors. Just, just explain to the audience why that doesn't isn't necessarily um, helpful for us. Yeah. Well, one thing is that Monsanto has they they set out a rule uh, way back then that said you only had to test for three months, and if you didn't see any toxicity after three months, uh, you were good to go. You know. Mm -hmm. And it turns out uh, Seralini proved them wrong. Well, he showed you need to wait longer than three months. That's one of the problems with glyphosate is that it's insidiously, cumulatively toxic. So you don't notice it right away. And that disconnect is what keeps us from being able to see the connection because of that delay. And so Seralini studied rats for their full whole lifetime and he exposed them to small amounts of glyphosate, you know, really reasonable amounts. It wasn't like he was killing them with glyphosate. And he didn't see anything. At three months, he was getting worried his experiment was going to fail because they seemed fine at three months. They started to show problems at four months. 
But by the time they were finished with their lifespan, they had lots of problems, big massive mammary tumors in the females, liver and kidney damage in the males, uh, sexual reproductive uh, system issues in both, uh, shortened lifespan. All of those things were um, observed in the animals that were exposed to the glyphosate. So um, you need to do the experiment longer than three months. And the other thing is that uh, Monsanto always studied the uh, glyphosate, pure glyphosate in isolation. Whereas uh, they knew that when they mix it up into the formulations, it can become much more toxic. And again, Seralini showed that Roundup, for example, is a thousand times more toxic. When you study it, it's acute toxicity. It's a thousand times more toxic than glyphosate by itself. And part of that is that the other ingredients allow the glyphosate to get into the cells. It promotes the entry of glyphosate into the cells. And the other thing is that those ingredients are toxic in and of themselves. And they're not studied at all. And in terms of, you know, measuring glyphosate in the food, the United States has been incredibly irresponsible in not measuring glyphosate in food. They've only done it one time. And this was, this was at Anthony Samsel's insistence. And I think it was 2011. They had one in, in this large document from the USDA, hundreds of, of pages, one line, which were about, you know, toxic chemicals in the, um, in the food chain. Only one line in that entire document was glyphosate. It was a, uh, soy samples. They had, they had 300 soy samples, and they found that 91% of them were contaminated with glyphosate, and 96% were contaminated with AMPA, which is a breakdown product of glyphosate that's also toxic. So they basically confirmed that glyphosate's all over the soy, but they're not measuring it in any of the other foods, which is just ridiculous when it's by far the most used herbicide in the country and on the planet. You know, and the United States is the biggest consumer of glyphosate as well in the food chain. So we're getting poisoned more than everybody else is. Mm. Possibly Canada. Canada is a good, competes with us, I would say. But U.S., I think, is the worst. Yeah, it seems to be the way it goes. <laughs> U.S. seems to be the worst in quite a lot of these. Um, and this, unfortunately for us, our countries are in bed with each other. So it seems to trickle, I know. trickle down to us. Um, so people will know um they may not have heard of glyphosate they may have heard of glyphosate they may not have heard of it but the product that it generally comes in is roundup correct yes that's right roundup ready um and people have been spraying this i know people will spray this in their garden um to get rid of weeds and, and all sorts or, or to grow grow so it's something that's not just used um commercially it's something that people are using in their backyards so it's it's becoming a problem even within i'd say communities um people trying to grow vegetable or not vegetables you look outside in the garden people are always looking for that because it's sold it's sold um in shops it's 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 allowed to be used um would you say this is this is another thing people need to be wary of as well that being in contact Abs- with their skin? Yeah. absolutely yeah and i feel really uh outraged by this idea of a pregnant woman going down and buying glyphosate um, at the garden store and going home and applying it to her weeds in her yard while she's pregnant. I mean, she could be causing autism in her child just from that one activity. And she has no awareness that this is true. And I think part of the reason why people don't accept the idea that glyphosate might be toxic is because it's so common. Lots of times you don't you don't think something that common could be toxic, you know, McDonald's. just because it is so common. You, you get used to it in your environment. Same thing with aluminum, I think. That's the case there as well. And also Tylenol. Tylenol is also very toxic, but you, you feel you can just go down to the, you know, it's, you don't need a prescription. You think of it as something very safe, but it's not. Tylenol causes a lot of uh, issues, including liver failure. And, uh, I mean, just because everyone does it, just because it's sold in the millions doesn't mean that it's okay. I mean, I think it's like 60 million people have McDonald's every day. It doesn't mean it's right. Um, most people brush their teeth with formulas containing fluoride, but it, it is what it is. How, how, would, how would a woman um, spraying the plants with, with Roundup, how would that affect her baby? Why, what, what would happen for her? Um, to get affected. Yeah, I mean, so if she gets it on her skin, of course, it can be absorbed, but also if she's just breathing it from the air, uh, she can get it into her lungs, and uh, and then it can really disrupt her fetal development. Glyphosate um, disrupts an uh, enzyme called aromatase, which converts testosterone into estrogen, and I believe that's part of its um, the f- explanation for why males are much more likely to get autism than females, because uh, males derive their estrogen from testosterone in the brain, and if that's not working, then they're not going to get enough estrogen in the brain, which is going to mess up the development of the brain. That's part of the of the issue with autism. It definitely uh, disrupts 
um, the, the, all the hormones that are involved in development. It messes up thyroid hormone too, and that's a really critical one because it actually disrupts the pituitary gland's ability to release thyroid-stimulating hormone, which then causes hypothyroidism. And thyroid is also really, really important for the development of um, for the de developmental process in the fetus. So um, there's uh, other things as well, but I don't know how technical I want to get. But there's just a lot of stuff that um, would suggest that. So kids can be born with autism because of their exposure during the fetus, or they can develop autism later on in life because of their exposure from the food, from the vaccines, things like that. Uh, and and um, it, yeah, it just seems like there's so many different problems. With it. I mean, we touched on it a bit before. I, mean, I want to go on to, I want to go into a bit more about the gut, and then actually into the penile gland, which people probably don't um, have, probably have, may not have read about, unless they've read your actual study, which I'm going to put links to mm. in, in the in the in my um, podcast in in the review. Um, so I'm just going to put this out there. I'm just going to quote unquote. Um, what connects the gut or the second brain to the actual brain is the vagus nerve. The gut speaks more to the brain than the brain speaks to the gut. The gut, or should I say the bacteria that make up our gut, decide what cravings we endure, whether we feel happy or sad, how quickly, how quickly we can gain or lose weight, and how efficiently our immune system works. Why? Because 80% of our immune cells are contained in gastrointestinal-associated lymphatic tissue, GALT and 90% of our serotonin receptors are inside our intestines. It all begins in the gut. What we now know is, neuroendocrine, is, is that the neuroendocrine system, brain and gut, all have a chemical language that is not fully understood by modern science. When the gut is disrupted, we see issues with immunity, sleep patterns, digestion and mood. Now, that is something that people... Once again, there's so many different things going on with what people are eating and people being stressed as well. It's probably why people don't understand and it's how important the gut actually is to our health. Um, so by, when, by having foods that are contain all these things, wheat and gluten, and then putting glyphosate on top, you're just asking for problems. And what sort of, apart from the neurological issues, what sort of other uh, say illnesses or infections can come up, come can come of this, Stephanie. Oh yeah, well, so there's so many. I mean, really, the thing that I uh, feel is really important is that glyphosate causes a leaky gut barrier, mm -hmm. and um, I believe it does this by virtue of disrupting the incorporation of sulfur, inorganic sulfur, into methionine. So it's really interesting that the gut microbes they pr they produce so many things for us that we ourselves are unable to produce. Our cells are actually quite hobbled. You know, they're not very c competent. And we rely on our gut microbes to produce lots of nutrients. Uh, one of those is the, all the product of the shikimate pathway, which is the pathway that glyphosate disrupts. Our gut microbes have that pathway. Our cells don't. Monsanto argues that's why glyphosate is not toxic to us. But the fact is it's going to mess up the gut microbes, and it's going to specifically mess up their ability to use that pathway to produce uh, aromatic amino acids, which are essential building blocks of proteins, but also are precursors to all the neurotransmitters, dopamine, um, serotonin, melatonin, thyroid hormone, uh, melanin, the skin tanning agent, and folate, which is really crucial for development. So all of those things are going to be deficient when you kill the shikimate pathway in the gut microbes. <clears throat> so another um, important amino acid that glyphosate disrupts, and this has been shown in plants as well, is the methionine. It's been shown in plants and in microbes. The, the microbes are able to take inorganic sulfur and turn it into methionine. But uh, glyphosate disrupts that pathway. And this, I think, is really, really crucial because methionine is, is a core sulfur-containing amino acid. And it's also a supplier of methyl groups and also the precursor to sulfate. So both sulfate and methyl groups become deficient when methionine is deficient. Of course, methionine is also a component of glutathione, which is a really important antioxidant in the liver and elsewhere in the body, including the brain. So when glutathione deficiency results from methionine deficiency, which it results from the disruption of methionine synthesis in the gut by the gut microbes. So at the same time, because the sulfur doesn't go into methionine and ends up producing, you end up with an overgrowth of a microbe called desulfovibrio that produces hydrogen sulfide gas. So you can get too much hydrogen sulfide gas in your, in your gut, which can cause bellyache. But it, can, but it also has been shown that hydrogen sulfide glass will erode the gut barrier and allow the leaky gut situation. So that's how you can you get the leaky gut on top of getting the methionine deficiency because of the glyphosate. Those are very, very disruptive of your developmental process. 
Um, 100%. So basically, Roundup significantly disrupts the function of beneficial bacteria in the gut, um, and it contributes to permeability of the intestinal wall. And basically, uh, say so not basically, but the consequence of this is like autoimmune disease and different symptoms and, and different illnesses that can come come occur from that. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and of course, there's also in the paper that you mentioned, which is on the pineal gland, really fascinating uh, study that we did, um, where we're proposing that glyphosate, so glyphosate binds to metals, and there are papers that show that glyphosate binds to aluminum. Mm -hmm. And so, and you've got dietary aluminum, especially if you're taking some of the, um, some of the medications that people take have aluminum in them, and the aluminum will bind to the glyphosate, and then that combined molecule is uncharged. Glyphosate has a negative charge, aluminum has a positive charge. When you put the two together, you can end up with an uncharged molecule, which is much easier to cross over the leaky gut barrier. So that aluminum glyphosate combination gets into the mainstream, and then it can make its way through the bloodstream to the pineal gland. And the pineal gland is in an area that's called a terminal watershed. That's an area where the blood equilibrates with other fluids so in the case of the kidneys you have the urine right so that's just, a terminal watershed just quickly i'm just going to stop you there because just because it was something i this is something i really really want to ask you about i just want to explain to our listeners how important the pineal gland is because most people i'd say a lot of people wouldn't have heard of it uh, i don't want to stop your flow there i just want to quickly say for people out there, right for people out there the pineal gland um is something that's been linked to spirituality, yoga, meditation, ancient cultures. They refer to it as the third eye. Um, and obviously, as Stephanie's alluding to there, she's saying that it's another important organ that's been connected to these neurological conditions like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, autism, schizophrenia, anxiety, and depression. And um, it also regulates your sleep because it's, it regulates like melatonin, serotonin production. And stuff yes, like that. So, it makes melatonin. Yeah, so I just just want people just to understand how important this peanut the pineal gland is. It's something that um, ancient cultures really think it's something that is very very um, important to us. So and something like fluoride does it as well. But I let, let Stephanie carry on. But the, by, by by negatively impacting this, it has. Um, definite consequences to our consciousness uh, and our intellect and being able to I'd almost be sort of like had the wall pulled over our eyes a little bit in certain things of the world but I'll let you carry on Stephanie I just want people to understand how I'm, 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 I'm glad you did that yes that's right the pineal gland is really an interesting gland and it's, it sits right behind the eyes and it receives sunlight and it uses that sunlight to make sulfate and it uses the sulfate and combines it with melatonin at night and ships it out into the cerebral spinal fluid and that melatonin sulfate supplies sulfate to the brain, which allows the brain to clear the garbage. So when you can't sleep, it often is an indicator that you're also not clearing the garbage in the brain. This is going on in autism as well as in Alzheimer's disease and dementia. And in dementia, you see this buildup of amyloid beta plaque. That's, an, that's evidence that your brain cells are incompetent to clear their garbage because their garbage is being produced by, you know, living. I mean, living creates garbage because they make mistakes, reactions take place that aren't supposed to. And if you can't, you know, take those cells, those molecules apart and reassemble them into healthy, clean molecules, you're going to have trouble. You're just going to pile up a whole bunch of garbage that you can't deal with, and eventually the cell won't be able to work. And that's what goes on in Alzheimer's disease and dementia. And I think it's in part because the, uh, of an insufficient supply of melatonin and sulfate by the pineal gland when you sleep. And this is also, of course, causing sleep disorder. And we have another epidemic in sleep disorder. We've looked at the data, Nancy Swanson and I, very strongly correlated increase in the uh, reports of sleep disorder in the government, uh, online government data, U.S., um, correlated strongly with the increased use of glyphosate on core crops. So I think that's another thing that's happening is this disrupted sleep, which then is connected to a lot of these diseases, not just autism and dementia, but also depression, you know, um, ADHD. All of these different neurological diseases are often connected to sleep disorder. So the pineal gland, so what happens with the uh, aluminium is that the glyphosate binds the aluminium in the gut and then gets past the gut barrier because it's not a charged molecule, makes its way all the way to the pineal gland. Because it's a terminal watershed area, it has a low pH. It's acid, an acid environment. And glyphosate unloads these minerals in an acid environment. So what happens is glyphosate carries aluminum into the pineal gland, which is the um, part of the brain that is not behind the, the uh, brain barrier. So that is more accessible to toxicity in that brainstem area where the pineal gland is than in, the say, the cortex, for example, which is more protected. So the pineal gland gets this load 
of both glyphosate and alumin, they separate in the acidic environment and both become extremely toxic to the pineal gland. Mm, uh, it's 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 something that people need to understand. I mean, luckily, some countries have actually been able to ban this Roundup and glyphosate. Um, France and Holland, I think, are two of them. But this this does sound very very da- dangerous to people. I mean, you've actually gone on to say in the article, you actually go on to say how aluminium and glyphosate cause damage to the pineal gland and gut, uh, as you just got alluded to there. And you gave three main causes. Uh, do you remember them? Uh, well, one would be, of course, the melatonin. Uh, glyphosate it disrupts melatonin supply because that's coming directly from the shikimate pathway. I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go into them one by one just so you can go. Okay. Go. So you put number one, interfering with the CYP450 detox enzymes that also help to make melatonin. That's what you just said there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's part of it too. Yeah, there's two different ways, the CYP enzymes as well as the um this chicken mate pathway which is the uh, which produces a precursor to melatonin so both of those are disrupting melatonin so it doesn't get you one way it gets you the other way yeah <laughs> that's brilliant dear. i mean that's brilliant that can only not ruin your health once it can do it twice and if it doesn't do it one way it can get you the other um but number two was by causing anemia that leads to hypoxia decreased oxygenation which leads to the effect of aluminium on neurons uh, brain cells yeah so the hypoxia is because it messes up the uh, red blood cells and glyphosate is really a train wreck for the red blood cells in multiple ways because it disrupts certain enzymes you know again this part of it is the um, chelating of minerals so it disrupts certain enzymes that depend on these minerals and it um uh what was the other thing uh it 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 prevents it 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 depletes the supply of certain critical um um antioxidants in the in the red blood cells and it also disrupts the sulfate uh synthesis with which the red blood cells need to protect them from breaking apart so what happens is it causes red blood cells to have a shortened lifespan oh okay good (laughs) and that leads to and also they can't carry the iron as well because it interferes with the synthesis of heme which is the how the red blood cells carry the iron and the iron of course heme is crucial for carrying the oxygen so the red blood cells are are unable to deliver enough oxygen to the pineal gland Mm. it said it said also mentioned um through uh through impaired sulfate synthesis what you said in the liver in combination with vitamin d interference right there's vitamin d as well and so vitamin d is activated in the liver by these cyp enzymes which and a a study on rats showed dramatic effect of glyphosate on suppressing the cyp enzymes those enzymes are super super important in the liver they activate vitamin d and we have an absolute epidemic in vitamin d deficiency these days um and then they also uh, produce bile acids, so people can have issues with, with inadequate bile flow, and they can get bile ducts blocked because of that, and they can end up with gallbladder problems. There's a lot of gallstones and that kind of issues that are showing up because of the glyphosate disrupting the bile flow. That's also connected to the CYP enzymes. And the CYP enzymes are also important, as I said, for melatonin, but they're also important for um, detoxifying many other toxic chemicals in the environment. So those all become much more toxic when glyphosate is disrupting the body's ability to detoxify them. Everything else, you know, many, many uh, toxic, including drugs, are metabolized by CYP enzymes. So if I was to put this in layman's terms, what it does, not only does it impair our, our bacteria in our gut, which um, obviously your immune system, 80% of the immune system is in your gut, so it impairs the bacteria in your gut, which obviously allows your immune system. It then also destroys enzymes that help to make melatonin, so it interferes with your sleep. Um, it then also uh, stops you taking the right amount of oxygen into your red blood cells. Um, mm-hmm. And it also stops you your liver um, helping to produce vitamin D. So mm-hmm. so, so in, in, in terms of, in terms of for the layman out there, um, it's just a health disaster on a different... <laughs> right, that's the way I would describe it. <laughs> so gut health, um, blood health, like oxygen, the blood health. Yeah. Then you're talking vitamin D uh, and your liver. So it's just every single area of your body that's almost... And, and then obviously you're talking about your pineal gland and your brain health, again, to pass the blood-brain barrier. It's just... If it doesn't get you one way, it get you another way, and these are all the most important areas of your. I mean, everything is important health wise, but these are big parts of your health. You're talking, they are, yeah. yes. So it's just something that people have got to stay away from, especially if you've got. Unfortunately, I, I've my. So I've talked to. Do you know who? Do you know Karen Thomas? Are you familiar, familiar with her work? 
I don't think so. Karen Thomas, she has um, naturallyhealing.com and she she worked, she she naturally healed her son of autism by doing things in natural. Oh, wow. And um, I interviewed her and she was talking about this and I was talking to her because my girlfriend, unfortunately, her um, half-brother and sister are both autistic, but her parents, unfortunately, uh, their, well, their parents, unfortunately, just don't believe in diet and that sort of stuff to it, so they're... The same for for breakfast, he'd have like cereal for lunch, he'd have pasta for dinner, he'd have pizza, um, and for all these things are just combining. So I say not only is it the gluten and 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 the way it's disrupting his gut there, but all these products they live in America. My the mm. all these products are full of glyphosate as well. Oh, it's terrible! So, it's really a shame when people you know mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, if they simply knew, they could just switch that autistic child to an organic diet and make such a big difference. I. You know, Zen Honeycutt is the um, founder of Moms Across America. She's really, uh, she's a personal friend and she's a great person. And she has three three young boys. And one of them was having a lot of behavioral issues and even getting a um, potential autism diagnosis. And she basically woke up and put the family on an organic diet. And his autism diagnosis was completely reversed. I mean, it just disappeared on the organic diet. And they were having also, you know, issues with uh, allergies, food allergies that also got much better after they were put on an organic diet. Right. I mean, the body does have an innate ability to heal itself, right? Given the right circumstances, it's just with this constant bombardment of stuff, how can it ever heal? Because it's never given the chance. Um, right. Uh, I'll say, I, I've tried to talk to them, but once you're talking to people who, I mean, it's, everyone's got to live their own life and do their own things, right? So I don't, I'm not a person to shove things down their throat. I said, have a look at this. If you want to look at it, it's fine enough. If you don't, but the people, that I've talked to who have um, and I've got clients as well who have, unfortunately have um, children with autism and what they've been able to do in terms of almost completely restoring their health or completely getting them back to say normal levels levels and mentally has been nothing short of phenomenal um, so in terms of practice yeah it's really if great you, and I you, say, if you look at the medical literature they say there's no there's no cure or there's no way to heal it but that's because they're not taught in that way correct Oh, yeah, they're just, I mean, they're just not aware. I mean, I just am really frustrated with the mainstream. First of all, in America, they seem to want to believe there is no epidemic, which I find absolutely shocking. They just keep saying, oh, yeah, we're just diagnosing it more. I mean, which is just crazy. I never saw anybody with autism. I never even heard. I mean, there was no autism when I was growing up. There was none, you know. There wasn't even a word I knew. (laughs) Now there's uh, an autistic character on Sesame Street, apparently. I know that kind of pisses me off. Actually, I mean, it's nice to sort of say, "Well, let's just be be nice," you know. Don't yeah, yeah. I know you're saying normalizing autism, but the fact that we're normalizing it is almost like we're just admitting that that's just a part of what life is about. Is that you know, yeah, a bunch of the kids have autism. That's just the way life is. I mean, to accept it and to say there's no way to fix that is outrageous. You know, we need to be, and I can't believe the government isn't like just spending tons of money investigating environmental factors instead that most of the autism research dollars go towards genetics you know yeah because they're controlled by the chemical industry and we're all quacks and all nutcases but we're the ones that we live a certain way and we're all the healthiest people on the planet so it's a it it makes me sort of laugh when people say that or they want to fight against it it's almost because they want to i think it's because people want to believe that nothing's going on or that the world that they believe is out there is is the real one unfortunately when you put it back and actually start understanding what's going on as you said like these not just autism but cancer and all these other diseases that are just through the roof these days that weren't even like there were maybe one in a few one in like lot sorry one in a few one in hundreds for example might get it now it's just everyone and their dog's got something wrong with them correct Oh, it's just terrible. And many of the kids do too. In America, I think over half the kids have some kind of issue, either autoimmune disease like, you know, asthma and eczema and ADHD and stomach, you know, gut disorder. I mean, there's just kids are so sick these days in America. It's just really pathetic. And and the parents, you know, seem to think that's just the way it is. You know, the kids are also getting lots and lots of colds. I mean, they're so, their immune system is shot to hell. I mean, there's just so much wrong with them. Right. It's very sad to see. Got vaccinations on top of that as well. I know that's right. <laughs> so, haven't really got a chance. And uh, um, I saw quite a good thing the other day. I think one of your states um, said no to mandatory vaccinations. I can't remember what state it was. It might have been Texas. I can't remember. They had quite a few people come down, and, and they said like there was only about twenty-five people for it, and I think they had like almost five hundred people come down into into uh, into. I can't remember who it was who was doing it, but it doesn't matter. Come down and actually say we're, we're against this. We don't want this to happen. So it was quite. A, that was quite a 
big step forward, I thought, for, for this one state. But it's something that hopefully by, by getting the information out, all the shows you're doing as well, um, slowly but surely, people have to wise up because the people who are not influenced by, by it um, or affected by it at a personal level don't have to be they can just say oh it doesn't it's, it's all it's all rubbish whatever but as soon as one of your family or yourself gets ill and, right. and the medical medical stuff the traditional stuff doesn't work and you start looking for other things then it's a different it's a different game you're playing right you open up a window mm-hmm. and then when you open up that window and you go down that and you go through it it's amazing what you can find right it's a floodgate i mean i really think that once a person decides to look then they're like, oh, my God, you know, they just can't believe what they're finding. And it all makes sense all of a sudden. And then they, of course, get very depressed. I mean, I've gone through all of that. You're just like in a state of disbelief for a while. You think it cannot be this bad. And then you realize it's worse the next day. You know, yeah, <laughs> It just is so it's such an eye opener. Once you uh, start looking, I mean, it's just so clear. And the glyphosate is just it's just so clear to me. Even when you look at the animals, you know, and they talk about the um, the bees, of course, the bees are dying. Mm-hmm. And the uh, monarch butterfly, I mean, the monarch butterfly is so clear because they their food is milkweed and milkweed is grows as a weed in the corn crops, the GMO Roundup ready corn crops. So milkweed is getting sprayed with glyphosate all the time. And so one argument they say is that their food is being that their food source is drying up, that there isn't enough of it. And that's why they're disappearing. But it's much easier to say they're simply being poisoned by the glyphosate that's in the milkweed that they're eating. And they're, they're being so poisoned that they can't, they, they have to have a strong metabolism to fly all the way down to Mexico and they can't do that. So they die along the way on their path to Mexico because they've been poisoned by the glyphosate. I think it's very clear with the monarchs. They've practically disappeared now, you know, and there used to be so many thousands of them. It's just so sad to see. And the, the bees, of course, is a big deal because we use them to pollinate um, lots of crops. And the, the bees, um, very clear. Um, and Don Huber talks a lot about this, the connections between glyphosate, glyphosate working synergistically with the insecticides to kill the bees. Uh, you know, glyphosate disrupts the sype enzymes and the bees need the sype enzymes to detox the insecticides. So they end up getting hit by the insecticides because of the glyphosate. It's uh, working synergistically. I mean, the Roundup Ready crops, right? They say that if the insect, I think, I've, I mean, I've done some in so many different read so many different articles on this. I think it's around up ready crops that if the bees or if the insect eat them, then they then they start to like die from the inside. Is that correct? They start to. You're thinking of the BT corn, I think. The, the BT corn it blows up the yeah it blows up the gut uh, of the uh, of the insect that eats it, and they assure us that it has no effect on our gut. But that's another one that I wonder about whether that is also contributing to all of our gut problems. Yeah. You would think, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I was just thinking in terms of if you, if people don't understand that like, people go through life and they think oh it's okay i go to work i have a beer i watch the football they don't realize that we're in a we're in an ecosystem and everything that dissipates or or, or goes is part of the ecosystem and it can cause a catastrophic uh, speak a catastrophic effect like <laughs> to, to, i know to, like to get rid of a bee um or to or a butterfly these things are really important in the way that the ecosystem works um as you say especially bees and for them if they go then we're in trouble yeah, it's really sad, you know, and we just, again, it just seems like people just go about their lives as, as if everything's fine when it's not. It's clearly not, you know, and I, I just am really frustrated with this country and especially all this talk about Obamacare, you know, and health care and how can we afford to get, get everybody health care. I mean, our country spends way more on health care than any other country in the world and we don't get results. We have very poor life expectancy. We have very poor infant mortality. I mean, we're not getting results. What is, you know, you say, what is the matter with people in this country? They're so sick. We have all this autoimmune disease. We have epidemic and opioid drug overdose, you know. We have a lot of suicides. We just have violent behavior. All these problems that we have in our country, I think they're directly connected to glyphosate poisoning, that we're getting more than other countries are, and we're, therefore we're sicker, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the elite won't be having it. I think they. I think I've, I've even read, uh, or I've heard somewhere, I can't remember who it was, but someone I think interviewed, it might have even been Dr. Bergman, who said Monsanto... Um, they actually serve organic food in their in their yeah i heard that too that they serve organic food in their cafeteria i haven't confirmed it but that's what i've heard yeah, that's very that. interesting yeah. isn't it if it's true it's very damning yeah, it's very funny <laughs> and uh well yes. funny it just shows that uh, it's just a fox watching the hen house with obamacare what is your actual opinion on that 
I, I think we should ban glyphosate and then we would solve the problem. I mean, I feel like our problem is that healthcare is too expensive in our country. And that's because too many people are sick. We have people with chronic immune diseases and they're just, you know, they're trying all kinds of treatments that aren't working. I mean, we're just spending huge amounts of wasted money when what we should be doing is cleaning up our diet, you know, and getting getting rid of glyphosate and other chemicals in the food, switch to an organic diet, you know, really have a policy of uh, closing down the GMO Roundup Ready crops and replacing them with organic crops. I think we just have to massively do that. Uh, to me, that's the way we solve our healthcare problem. We make healthcare much more affordable because people aren't sick anymore. Mm-hmm. So you get rid of CAFOs, you get rid of yeah, exactly. Crops. Put the cows back up on out on the grass. Get rid of the corn. You know, it's stupid. Grow corn, and then we have these CAFOs, which have are also very toxic. All those wastes that come out of the CAFOs go into the waterways and cause a lot of problems. Well, this is a, like I was just going to mention. Yeah, sorry. Carry on. Sorry. Carry on. No, that's right. Go ahead. I was going to say, you say going to the water. I was going to say, surely that this wheat, and because they no, they don't feed the cows grass anymore. They feed yeah. them corn. So I'm guessing that all this glyphosate is going into the cows as well. Then people are eating the meat. Exactly. Yes, that's right. It's toxic, toxic meat and toxic milk. So it's not just they're going to get this through the wheat and the Cheerios and anything else. They're going to get start getting this through the meat as well. Right, and it's worse there because if we're right about Anthony and I have a uh, have published one paper uh, arguing that glyphosate gets into proteins by mistake in place of glycine, and if this is true, and I fully believe it is true, but we haven't been able to prove it yet. You know, we have a ton of circumstantial evidence. If it's true, it's a game changer because it really explains how glyphosate could be causing all of these autoimmune diseases. And it's very simple because the glyphosate disrupts the gut barrier. That's already clear, as I explained. And then glyphosate also, Anthony has found that it shows up in uh, enzymes that are produced by the pancreas to digest proteins, things like trypsin and pepsin. They contain glyphosate in them. He ordered porcine pepsin and tested it and it tested with uh, had high levels of glyphosate in it. So it's in those uh, pancreatic enzymes, and that disrupts their ability to do their job. So the proteins don't get digested. The gut is leaky, and the undigested proteins get out into the mainstream, into the main circulation, and that's when the immune cells get very upset, and they develop antibodies. And then through what's called molecular mimicry, they develop autoantibodies to your own proteins, and they cause all kinds of nasty autoimmune diseases, things like you know, lupus and chronic fatigue syndrome and um, multiple sclerosis and, and I think autism and dementia are also have a very strong autoimmune autoimmune component to them uh, and rheumatoid arthritis I mean all of those things are connected to autoimmune disease yeah and the so this is this is the thing people don't realize it's it's almost it's almost a point where this is why I get very passionate about things but it is what it is you've just got to water your own grass and do what you can and and by putting luckily more and more of this it is coming out like there's more probiotic drinks in health stores and there's almost I look at it two ways it's almost going to be like the sick people and the well people because this is going to be different but yes people don't realize that it's not just as you said before so not only the cattle are going to be eating it you say you're talking about having been in the milk but then as you said it's going to be in the dairy products and the ice cream and everything else so really the whole food supply is going to be completely um, saturated with glyphosate yeah, that's right. You know, and it's interesting because it looks like to me it's also disrupting fertility, which makes sense because it messes up the, um, you know, the estrogen and the and the testosterone, all the all the hormones. It's going to mess up fertility. And in fact, it's interesting. First of all, I think you know Europe has had uh, issues with male sperm being very poor. Mm-hmm. They're looking at sperm, and there are a lot of them that are defective. You know, and there's, there's great increase in the number of sperm that just don't really make the cut. And the same thing is true in America. And there was a study just published out of China. China has been really gearing up uh, glyphosate exposure in the last decade. And they've had a dramatic drop in the uh, quality of the sperm. And in fact, there was a paper that showed, I think it was like 2001 or 2002, something like 54% of the sperm that they looked at under the microscope were, were healthy. And then when they looked in 2000, I think it was 2014, it was only 17%. And if you project that into, linearly into the future, you find that by 2023, 0% of the sperm will be healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, So this is one way to solve the overpopulation problem, just basically make people infertile. Oh, yeah. But I think those who are aware and who are eating organic and, and staying healthy, getting probiotics, those are the ones who will not be infertile. They'll be the ones who reproduce. And so eventually we're going to outnumber them just by virtue of the fact that we're the only ones who can reproduce, well, you know. Ones who don't get it are just not going to survive 
their genes are not going to survive if they don't get it. 100%. I, I, I was thinking about that as well. It comes from, because then you're talking about <laughs> people, you do tests to show that how much glyphosate is actually in urine. So then people are actually weeing into, obviously, the toilet, and then it goes recycled and it comes out of the drinking water. Uh, so, <laughs> so unless you've got your house filtered at the mains or, or your shower, you're ingesting it through the skin uh, when you're brushing your teeth, etc. as well. So, and even filtering doesn't necessarily remove it. I was contacted by someone who, who tested his water as high in glyphosate. He put installed a filter. He tested the filtered water and it hadn't reduced the glyphosate at all. Really? What filter was that? So I don't know, unfortunately, and I really should, but I think it's just a standard filter that you would use. It okay, doesn't yeah. take the glyphosate out. Okay, we've got different ones. I remember the company that I use, but it's, it's a very, very common. He did, in fact, install an, a, a better filter that he found from some better place, and he found that that filter did take the glyphosate out. So you have to be very careful. I need to find out the facts on this. I don't have the, at the tip of my tongue exactly what these filters are and why they work but i think the better filter had something to do with electromagnetic fields yeah. like applying mm -hmm. electromagnetic field to it or something yeah, like that 100%. i would have to go back and check That's but you have to be very careful what filter you get in order to actually get rid of it 100 percent. yeah i mean same with most things it's gonna it, it might be a little bit more money but it's worth it in the long run because otherwise you're being hit from your bread your meat your dairy your water um, and then I'm guessing there's some cost contamination. I mean, surely it comes onto vegetables somehow as well. Um, oh yeah, it's really in the vegetables. It's in a lot of them. I mean, they use. I was surprised they use glyphosate uh, to control weeds, for example, in grapes. And yeah, so, grapes. as Anne Honeycutt, I mentioned her earlier. She had 12 different wines from California tested for glyphosate, and all 12 of them came out positive, including the biodynamic wines where they were not using glyphosate, but it was coming in from the rain. I mean, it's just like it's everywhere in California, you know. Right, so so this is what I'm saying to people. You need to. This is why I always stress to people how important it is to be organic, and even if they can start growing their own food, so you know what goes, goes into it. Um, because, as you said, Hippocrates said, uh, food is our medicine, and we can we can make an impact. You just got to understand that even the real food these days, if you're not buying organic, it's still been impaired. So, next question, Stephanie, would be. What can we do to detox the body of glyphosate and aluminium? Yeah, now a really cool thing that I've, I've finally figured out, you know, of course probiotics, and people talk a lot about probiotics, but it's, it's very interesting that I've looked, at, uh, looked for microbes that actually can metabolize glyphosate, and there aren't many, it turns out. It's actually very difficult to break glyphosate down. But one of the ones that's very good at decomposing glyphosate into basic parts that can be reused, you know, they can actually use the phosphorus and glyphosate as a nutrient, for example, is acetobacter. And acetobacter is found in sauerkraut, apple cider vinegar, um, what's it called? Um, the, 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 um, the, the yogurt that comes out of the Cauca Caucasus. Kefir? Caucasus Mountains, the yogurt. Um, yeah, shoot. Um, kefir. Kefir. Kefir, yeah. Yeah, K-E-F-I-R. Kefir apparently has lots of acetobacter. And probably, I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe other yogurts as well, but I'm not sure. And kimchi, I mean, all those sort of fermented um, foods that are so great as probiotics. Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why they're so great is because they have acetobacter, which can break down the glyphosate. And um, there's also, uh, there was a study on cows where the cows were sick and they tested their urine. And sure enough, they had glyphosate in their urine. Um, they fed them fulvic acid and humic acid, which are organic uh, materials from the soil organic matter in the soil, fulvic acid and humic acid. It's non-toxic, uh, and you can order it, actually. People can, can take it, too, fulvic acid and humic acid, and also um, bentonite clay mm -hmm. and um, activated charcoal. Oh. So these are all things to bind to the glyphosate and then carry it out through the feces, you know, Phenomenal. catch it in the gut. So these are ways to kind of clear the glyphosate that's coming in. Um, getting it out of your bone marrow is going to be a lot harder. Monsanto did a study where they looked at different parts of the, of the body of animals exposed to radio-labeled glyphosate, and they found the highest accumulation in the bone marrow, which I find very, very disturbing. I think that explains why glyphosate causes non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There's actually a class action lawsuit building right now in California for several thousand, I think there's now several thousand people um, claiming that glyphosate caused their non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which of course comes out of the uh, bone marrow because that's where the stem cells are that uh, eventually become the immune cells that are that become cancerous so um, 
it, it's very hard to get it out of the bone marrow. I don't really know how to do it. Uh, you know, I don't have an answer for that. So one thing worrisome is that every, the more you eat, the more you accumulate. So at some point, you're going to get a toxic load all over your body that you can't get rid of, I think, which is very sobering. So that's why you really have to try to keep it, keep your input of glyphosate as low as possible. So eating an organic diet, of course. Uh, I also am a big advocate of sunlight exposure, getting out in the sunlight without sunscreen, without sunglasses, particularly in the UK where you guys don't get a whole lot of sun. <laughs> you really need to be outdoors in the sun. Whenever there's a sunny day, take a walk, you know, 100%. get that sunlight because the sunlight allows your body to make cholesterol sulfate which is super, super important for maintaining your body's health. 100%. So basically, it's a way that, it's, it's very funny. I, I heard, I can't remember who it was, and I, I and I need to f- do my research and find out who it was again, because I want to get them on and interview them. But I remember listening to an interview once, and someone said, the funny thing is, the way you heal anything is almost, or it's basically the way you heal everything. And no matter what disease it is, obviously there's different ways you go about it slightly, but organic diet, Clean water, sunshine, right mm-hmm. exercise, probiotics, and going out barefoot, walking yeah, barefoot on the ground. Barefoot, yeah, like uh, adding in probiotic-rich foods, um, yes. liver-cleansing foods, all these things. It's just the body wants to be healthy. So, if you said there, like I think a lot of our listeners uh, in the natural health world, they're going to be have, adding things like ancient earth minerals or apple cider vinegar, raw apple cider vinegar to their water, which is going to be... You know, you also recommend bone broth. You know, of course, grass-fed beef, bone broth, and and organic chicken bone broth. Uh, You can get um, all the nutrients out of the bone marrow cooked into the broth and the micronutrients. You get a balanced supply of the various minerals because the minerals are definitely in trouble with the glyphosate. So you need to beef up the mineral supplies. But you don't want to take mineral supplements, especially not like just taking zinc or taking... Um, copper because that's going to be uh, only one you know and the minerals are all in balance and when you get them out of balance you cause trouble if you get too much of one you're going to sacrifice you're going to get too little of something else that it's competing with so it's very tricky with the minerals uh, there's also salt you know mediterranean sea salt instead of sodium chloride oh, yeah. the table salt yeah, so just to make sure to get minerals um, in your and of course eating mineral rich foods which means lots of veggies i mean all those veggie um, juice you know Blender, blender, yeah. veggie drinks are great. Yeah, juices and uh, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just had a, a beef bone broth from uh, before I got on the phone to you actually, or on the call to you. The, the, the um, we're a massive proponent of uh, bone broth. I've actually got working with a, a lady called Catherine Farron who does um, also bone broth. Um, so yeah, it's all going to be there. And as you said, getting amount of green leafy vegetables, raw foods, etc. Yeah, and then also herbs and spices, lots of herbs and spices, particularly curcumin and of course vitamin C is also very very healthy. Yeah. So eating foods that are foods that are high in vitamin C. No, so it's 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 basically how how do you, how do you detox the body of glyphosate and aluminium? It's basically the, the same way you heal the body of a lot, basically everything. It's just, that's right. It's just eating a healthy diet, whole foods, you know, minimal processing. Minimal processing, and don't yeah, don't add all the all the color food colors and food flavors and all those things that are chemicals. You know, stay away from the chemicals. Don't buy anything that has more than five ingredients. You know. And so, and and so, is it the same for the penile gland? Can the penile gland regenerate? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I don't know. It um, unclear. I would think so, but I'm not sure. how you get that out once again once these metals get in there once you get aluminum in there i think it's pretty hard to get it out that's one of the problems is that these things may be somewhat irreversible okay. you know it's true for mercury once you get mercury into the brain it's very difficult to get it out right. okay. and it takes a, a very being very conscious about what you're eating and how you're living and although people think oh it's okay it would be okay it's as you said it's the accumulation of these things that they might not see it first of all but down the road that's when problems can start to occur. And you can get issues with your teeth too, of course. I mean, a lot of people have a lot of cavities. They have mercury in the ca- in the fillings. Um, gum disease, you know, glyphosate causes acid reflux and acid reflux causes, um, you know, gum disease. And then you, you can get in trouble with your mouth. So you really need to take care of your mouth. And that really, eating well should help to heal the gum, gums and prevent the tooth decay. And then um, 
and then you can go from there. And if you have mercury fillings, you might want to try to consider safely getting them out because mercury is incredibly toxic. I, we didn't talk much about it, but it's another one to worry about. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I actually did an interview with Judine Benoit on this. Uh, she's a holistic dentist um, from Canada, and she said, yeah, you can definitely heal cavities and your teeth naturally, but natural means of doing so. So it's one that I 100% agree with you. It's um, Everyone in this sort of world is singing off the same hymn sheet. They might have slight nuances about what they do, but the, the main things of eating organic food, living a holistic lifestyle, um, getting the right minerals and vitamins, sunlight, etc., etc., etc. Everyone's on the sort of the same same hymn sheet, which is which just goes to show that everyone's getting the great great results by doing very similar things, and it and it and they say results speak for themselves. Um, so, right, it is safe. I mean, one thing nice is these things don't have side effects, you right, know? Exactly, yeah. You know, just healthy living, there's no side effects to that. Whereas if you take some drug, you're going to be in trouble with a lot of side effects. Mm-hmm. And this the thing, bifosphate, I mean, it's a, it's a, I mean, it is a man-made substance, right? It's a, Yes, it's a, it's synthetic. It never shows up in nature. Mm-hmm, exactly. So putting these things into our body and people say, oh, it's not toxic. It's like, well, really? Why <laughs> it hasn't been in our diet for this many years, and we've already decided. decided. It's, this is the thing you were talking about before. They've done all these things to try and increase yield, etc. When going back to organic farming has been proven that you can feed the world like that. Um, I mean, the, I think yes, the and in fact, the yield issue is not really working. You know, they claim that it increases yield, but actually, it, it may the first couple of years, but then it starts getting worse and worse because it ruins the soil. Glyphosate ruins the soil, and eventually, the yield goes down. So farmers are finding they can actually, farmers are finding when they switch to organic, they make more money because they can sell it for more, you know, and they're getting a better yield in many cases. And, um, you know, there's, I hope that it it kind of falls on its own, under its own weight, because I think a lot of, there's a lot of ways in which the GMOs are failing. And one of those, of course, is the development of, of glyphosate resistant weeds is a big, big problem in the GMO crops. They have to use more and more. That's why it's been growing exponentially because they have to use more and more glyphosate to kill those weeds. They're getting really hardy. And now they're starting to add in other herbicides that are really toxic like 2,4-D and dicamba and glufosinate on top of the glyphosate. You know, it's just going to keep on increasing the amount of toxic chemicals that are in our food because the weeds are getting so hardy. So it's really a lose-lose situation. Eventually, it's just going to totally collapse because it'll cost more money too for them to have to buy all those extra herbicides. Well, you know, and then their soil gets worse and worse. So eventually, the farmer's going to wake up and realize it's not working. But by that time, hopefully, aren't they already <laughs> sort of like, aren't they already? The farmers that are trying to buy organic, even if their their crops get cross contaminated with Monsanto crops, and all of a sudden they've they've because Monsanto's crops are patented they almost are false or they're sued because they're using their crops. I know. That's so outrageous, isn't it? You heard about that story in Canada, right? Yeah, I mean, I just, this, yeah. this is what I mean about It's so crazy. Uh, it sort of scares me a little bit because then all of a sudden if, if there's no organic crops or if you can't see, then what's going to happen? Um, and because yeah. your, your government's already subsidizing the farmers because they don't make enough money selling their food, so they have to subsidize them to make more corn, etc., and then they get agricultural yes. dumping in countries like India, etc. So hopefully it's going to take a big stand, but hopefully it will come down. But it, I mean, it's, it needs to turn the corner soon, I reckon, otherwise we're in trouble. Uh, because you, you think it was like, I think I heard Paul Check, I don't know if you were familiar with Paul Check, I think he said something like 60 to 70% of America's topsoil was almost unusable anymore. Um, yes, that's terrible. That that's really sad. Mm. I mean, it's clear this is not going to work in the long Hall, you know, at some point it's going to collapse, and and the question is when. Of course, it's harder for a farmer if they've been doing GMOs year after year. It's hard for them to reverse it because they have to first clean clean up their soil, and that could take years before they can even claim that they have an organic crop. Hundred percent, the organic standards are very high as well. Yeah. Um, okay, Stephanie. Well, we've talked a long time. I'll let you go because I know we cover quite a lot. And what we're, we're doing, Stephanie, is also a very well. She's an expert on cholesterol and statins, and I'm going to try and get Stephanie back on the show to talk all about that because uh, that's another issue 
there. I mean, I think statin was the first trillion dollar drug, if I'm... Yeah, (laughs) it's It's crazy. People are poisoning themselves with statins thinking that they're doing something good. Uh, It's really crazy. And the insurance companies are laughing on the way to the bank. So I'll um, I'll, I'll let Stephanie Stephanie go there. Thank you very much for that, Stephanie. It's really great information. Um, Thank you. Got a lot from that. And uh, keep well, and we'll uh, speak to you soon, Stephanie. Have a great day. Great, you too. Thank you. So there we have it, guys. That was Dr. Stephanie Seneff. And I think that was quite an eye-opening interview, if I do say so myself. I really hope you guys enjoyed it and got a lot from that. Um, as always, you can contact uh, Stephanie at her website. Um, actually, Stephanie's website is a little bit, um, I'd say, it's a little bit old school. So what you can do is you can email her if you want to at um s well, senef so it's s e n e f f at c s a i l dot m i t dot e d u i'll put that in the in the notes anyway and you can ask any questions on there uh, obviously any questions for her if you don't want to find that you can always send them through me and as always if you've got any health issues that you would do like or you would like to talk about um, and you have had for a while then obviously head over to www.reviveyourself.co and forward slash contact and send me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as possible but that was the first I think of a few shows we're going to have with Stephanie we're going to get her back on and we're going to be talking all about statins and why you shouldn't be taking them and we're going to get her back on and talk more in depth about aluminium as well so lots more to come from her Um, she really does know her stuff as you can tell and she's very passionate about helping people um and some of her knowledge she, she can go quite deep and it can be quite quick but i was trying to get to slow down a little bit so everyone can sort of understand and i'll try and break it down in more layman's terms for you because she is an extremely bright mind um and she sometimes can talk in what seems like uh well almost gobbledygook because it's just so high um high end highbrow but anyway we'll we'll get through that and i'll help you out with that so as always, guys, next interview I think is going to be with Dr. David Kennedy, all about fluoride um, and a little bit more on mercury as well. Talking about that, David is uh, well; he's been a dentist for decades now, and he's, his father and grandfather have both been in the dental industry. And he's also um, um, he was also on the on the board of toxicology in uh, America, so he knows all about toxic substances and this one could really open your eyes as to why fluoride being in your toothpaste is probably not a good idea so anyway guys that's it from us today i'll see you on the next episode as always stay happy stay healthy and i'll speak to you soon if you're struggling with gut issues such as gas bloating constipation diarrhea indigestion heartburn and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of the healing health paradigm today